hey, hey, what's up, my fellow poppies? This is Dan Ortega here, and I am here with the Poppy on Podcast. I know you guys are looking for Nuka. Nuka's asleep in Germany. Just to remind you guys, our time difference sometimes makes it hard for us to meet all at once. But I have an amazing guest, and I cannot wait for you guys to meet her, which you're already probably looking at her. Is all about fighting the stigma against mental health, all about finding resources for people who don't think that they deserve those resources. She's a founder of this company called Big Sister Co. She's a teacher at Chorus Meditation. She's also Bulgarian. I don't know if that is relevant, but she's a Bulgarian-American writer, explorer. And here at the Papillon Podcast, we love to bring journeys. We love to talk about the journeys. And I've seen this girl go from a caterpillar to a cocoon to a butterfly, back to a cocoon, back to a caterpillar, because we realize that's what the journey is about. So please, my fellow poppies, help me welcome Wonderful to be here. Thank you, Dane, for that amazing introduction. Of course. I'm so glad we made this happen. Did I? Sure no. You want to pronounce it for us in your um, native tongue? Oh, well, in Bulgarian, it's actually Bosmarova. Yeah. Bosmarova? Bosmarova, yeah. So you can put the stress on either syllable. But I think in English, like, Bosmarova is great. <laughs> How are you doing today? I am doing great. Happy Friday. I'm, I'm feeling pretty good today. Um, how have you been handling this pandemic? Um, I, so, I've had my, my lows, you know, really, like, a couple weeks of, like, really low energy, especially after, um, you know, people started really responding to George Floyd's death. Um, and I just was like, it's finally hit me. Like, this is it. And, you know, had to take some time to just rest and, you know, recalibrate my expectations of myself and what needs to happen or not happen right now. Um, for the most part, this pandemic has been really amazing for me. Uh, I've been able to embrace the fact that I'm an introvert and not, not feel bad about it anymore. I've been able to focus on creative things that I care about and really take some take a moment to decide, you know, what do I want? you know, the next year, six months, or 10 years to look like. And so, and I realized I love working from home, which I actually didn't know. So I'm here and you're not getting me out of here. So, yes. but I would love for, you know, people to get healthy and for this to, to be over. Cause I know a lot of people are struggling and suffering so much. And that's why I'm really glad to be here with you too. Cause we can talk about, you know, ways to, to accept and acknowledge and, and grow and find some stability right now. And that's kind of what we want to share. We want to share tools of how, what we personally, how we personally dealt with obstacles. Um, I know I was listening to Joe Rogan's podcast with Kevin Hart and he mentioned something that the one thing that people hoard these days is information. And he doesn't want to be that person. He wants to be that person that tells information and shares that. What, what are your thoughts on that, Ellie? Um, well, I see it a lot in people who are like starting a business or they have some knowledge that they would want to teach people and they're afraid, like, if I give this away, people won't want more. They won't want to work with me. They won't pay me. And what I have found is the more I give of the best of what I know, the more people want. And 
really like there's a huge difference at least in my field like what like I teach I coach I'm a writer as well but like when I work with other people there's a big difference between me you know demonstrating a certain kind of breath demonstrating um, a goal setting like doing a goal setting workshop there's a difference between me doing that and sharing that information with you and you actually taking it in and doing it and taking action and so I, I, I'm a big fan of just like sharing whatever I can. I try to tie things to my current journey, just like you said, to avoid feeling like, oh, I need to be this perfect person. I need to be the one on the mountaintop. No one's on the mountaintop. Usually the people who act like they're on the mountaintop are the people we hear the scandals about. Like, we don't need to be up there. We're all together. So yeah, I, I love just sharing. And you can check out my Instagram, check out my website. There's like free stuff on there. This girl shares everything. And even, you know, I even have pitfalls. Even uh, when people ask for, when they see the clips of the Poppy on podcast, they, they're like, oh, how do you do that? There's a, I guess it just depends on what mindset you're in at the moment. But if you're in scarcity mindset, you're just like, I can't tell anybody how to do this. But it's just like, all right, it's just a template, Dave. <laughs> it's just a template you share people. And if you really believe in your truth, that, that just shouldn't affect anything. Um, so it's always, a, for me, uh, the reason why I'm mentioning this, it's, it's, oh, I always have to check myself to make sure which mindset I'm in. Am I in abundance or am I in scarcity? Uh, <laughs> I always feel like you and I are the kind of personalities that initially when something gets thrown at us, we're just like, go all in and we are ready to take everything. We're ready to become the president. The minute we walk into a boardroom, you, <laughs> even though we don't know anything in there, can you, is that how it is for you or at some point in your life? For sure, and you you touched on this idea of like now, like I want to be you know the president as soon as I walk in the boardroom. There's like the pitfall for me there is this impatience and like not willing to keep trying the thing even if it's not working right now. Um, like keep trying, keep engaging. It's not about like the instant success. Like the overnight success is a myth. That's not a real thing. No, it's, I, I, and hopefully it doesn't happen to either of us because I don't think I'd be able to sustain it. If that, if I became six, like overnight success tomorrow, I don't know. I'm nowhere. I feel like in a position to be able to sustain that into a long-term career at this moment. That's a great point. That's actually something I talk to people about when they come to me for coaching. Is like, who do you need to be to like that goal you have, that dream life? What kind? Who do you need to be to have that and to not burn it down? whether it's like self-sabotage, low self-worth, whatever. Um, and then, you know, working to embody that right now. So, you know, if I wanna be the kind of person who has a, a, a really a best-selling book, how would I carry myself? Like, what do I wanna do? What decisions would I make? Who would I talk to? Exactly. And, and I think I've made the mistake in the past of thinking that I had to be that person exactly that moment. But I realized, I'm starting to realize that sometimes you just have to grow into that person and you don't have to be, you, have, you just have to be where you are, but you don't, you can't stay where you are. But let's start from the beginning. So you were Miss Perfect Girl, were, were you, you were the oldest? Yes. You were the oldest, okay. So as a child growing up, um, what, what habits were you doing that were, uh, that you thought were helping you but were actually interfering with your highest self? Oh man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to an extent, you know, I want to honor like I was a kid, you know, doing my best with the tools I had at the time in the, 
you know, twisted world I lived in at the time. The writer Mary Carr has this great quote, a dysfunctional family is any family with more than one person in it. <laughs> so had that going for me. Um, but at the time, you know, oh, I didn't know how to ask for help was probably the big thing. I learned, you know, I gotta be independent. I have to like do it all. I, I'm strong, I'm strong, not we're strong, I'm strong. I need to, you know, adapt, survive, make it happen, be the best. And when I struggled, I had no idea what to do. Like, and so I hid it. And the less I talked about my struggles, the more they started like snowballing. So, you know, say I was struggling in school, I started struggling with food and it was like compounding these secrets and um, felt really out of control and it just fluctuated for for years after that um, i learned how to ask for help really i never understood that either i i just i'm the kind of person that exactly like that where things would just spiral and then all of a sudden people are so confused because they're just like all you had to do was ask for help now your life's a mess because everything is out of control um, how, how do you think the, having a personality, your type A personality, high achiever personality, how has that affected your life? Oh, it's been pretty good. I mean, I'm in the get shit done club. Like, and I, I like that. Um, so to an extent, it's been good. You know, I've been able to um, be the first person in my family to go to college in the United States. And yeah, I've been, That's you know. Two, 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 two. Are you first generation? I'm. I was born in Bulgaria, so I think I'm zero with generation. One and a half, that's what we're called. I was born in the Philippines too. There's 1.5 gen. How old were you when you came here? Uh, almost four, like three and a half. Oh my god, yeah. That's that's definitely what my cousin was telling me. There's something called 1.5 gen, which is pretty much us. But anyway, sorry, didn't mean to cut you off. That is a good, yeah. The 1.5 feels accurate. <laughs> Being like between both and like, you don't know. Um, as far as like being that like the the growth part of being that personality type has definitely been learning how to not be so hard on myself not beat myself up i continue to practice and look for like opportunities to do self-forgiveness um and the other part of it is my expectations for myself became so high especially in college and after college my expectations for other people became so high that they were unattainable. None of us could attain my expectations. And it's a, you know, it's a nightmare. It's such a refreshing thing to be like, I'm human, I'm a powerful creator. I have infinite resources within me. And like, you know, Netflix feels good, sugar feels good. You know, these things feel good. And I'm a human and I want to do them. But you, you, you're also like not off sugar for the past two days. Is that what you mentioned? I know it's because I'm just thinking about sugar constantly. No, <laughs> yeah, I've stopped. I had some stomach issues, and so I've, I've, I'm easing up on the sugar for the next thirty days. What, what's really cool about you is that you're always trying new things, and even if it doesn't work out at the time, you're always trying new things. And is that something that's always been a part of who you are, or is that something you've learned within your journey? Part of my journey, for sure. Well, I think when I was a kid, we moved around so much and that really affected me. Like every six months to a year, I was in a different elementary school, different city, sometimes different state. I went to four different schools by the time I was in fourth grade. And as an immigrant, like on top of that, I'm not even 
and I, I, I think I really, I really liked that variety. It like suited me. The making new relationships over and over, not so fun. You know, being the new kid over and over, not so fun. But the changing landscape, being in new places, and figuring out the rules, I, I found that really engaging. And so. I remember at the end of high school, I think it, maybe it was because of a breakup. Like, I don't know, I had this moment where I was like, it's not life until you live it. Like, I need to do some stuff that feels like it's beyond my comfort zone. And I started like, you know, I did the AIDS life cycle ride where I biked from Cal from San Francisco to Los Angeles. I, you know, did skydiving. I climbed Mount Whitney, which is the tallest mountain in the contiguous United States. And it was like, kept doing this kind of stuff and I was like this is life I want to keep challenging myself and so it feels like some of the work I'm doing now with the you know building this brand like Big Sister Co and connecting with you on a podcast what is part of that too just continuing that <laughs> I know especially when we first met oh man I would you ever envision this three years later that we'd be talking on something on a platform like this things can happen guys if you just believe and we're not saying this from the mountaintop once again. <laughs> we're saying this from zigzag, we're sloppy mess. Um, like, speaking of that, I didn't even know you climbed Mount Whitney. That's crazy. And you went skydiving and you did all that. But having said all that, let's talk about burnout. Let's talk about what burnout looks like. And because I don't want people to think that there is, there are, there is a consequence for going, for being go, 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 go without taking a rest. And what is burnout? Can you explain what burnout is and how that manifests for you? Yeah, so burnout, um, I understand it as like this point where your body reaches like its threshold for stress. Like it can't take any more stress and you just start like going into this emergency mode where it's, it forces you to take a step back, whether you get sick or um, just emotionally, you're like a, a mess for lack of a better word. And so um, for me, burnout, you know, in the midst of those times and after those times, I had a, a period of several years where I was like, just self-sabotaging. That's all I did. Um, burnout for me was constantly feeling like nothing I did was enough. And reacting to that by, you know, distracting myself with substances, food, I, one of my, most exciting things was a little over a year ago, I quit nicotine and that, <laughs> but that was really like my tool for isolating and for um, avoiding my own goals for like, you know, living in that fear. So I, and I also wasn't prioritizing taking care of myself. I think it's easier to burn out when, for me, when I'm not tuned in, when I kind of don't care, like what I want is more important than my body. And that has never worked well for me. So, and I also think the spirituality thing you mentioned earlier, whatever spirituality looks like for you, like having that, some sort of connection to something bigger than me, knowing I'm worthy exactly as I am, helps me take a step back and be like, my higher power's got this. Like I'm on this journey partly by design and it's not just my design, so. I can like enjoy it too, you know? That's, uh, part of the journey is remembering to enjoy the journey. And I'm so glad you're sharing that. And I want to share, the reason why I want to share this um, burnout, what, what it feels like for each individual is at the time that it's happening, you don't really realize you're burning out until it's, it's too late. Like 
I had a burnout a year and a half ago. I just burnt out. I was running around Hollywood for two years, going traffic, doing this, doing that. And I just thought all you had to do was keep going, Dane, until all of a sudden I stopped responding to people, asking how I was. I started taking jobs that were, I wouldn't say below me, but jobs I was extremely overqualified for. And it's just because my brain could no longer uh, handle any kind of challenge. And then when you're in that, when I was in that mode, I was just um, feeling extreme guilt, feeling extreme shame. And I was extremely in my head. I was overdressing and analyzing every single thing, every single conversation I was having, even with my mom, just people that you can normally trust to be safe around. Everything was in my head. I had never been in that position in my life until, uh, until then my breakdown happened. My breakdown happened and then I had to evolve from that. And it was really tough when that was happening because I didn't really realize that I had burnt out. I have a very high tolerance for pain, which is a bad thing. What I want to call my bottom, like I've had many bottoms. I've had bottoms with substances. I've had bottoms with um, relationships, um, which I actually think I'll talk about that now. So in um, at the end of last year, I ended a relationship with luckily the person who's my partner today. So ended it, we got back together. But in that period of time where I ended the relationship, I was so like, I had no boundaries. Like I was like, why aren't you doing this person? Like my expectations coming back. And I had done all this spiritual growth. I had done all this changing. I had done all these scary things. And I was like, person, why aren't you, you know, doing what I want you to do, being who I think you should be or, or who you say you want to be, but it's hard sometimes. And I, we broke up and I got on this plane to Alaska because I wanted to go to Alaska. I've, I've always wanted to go, so I went. And on the plane, I was reading the book, uh, Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon Hill. And I had found out about this book on this, on this website about like codependency because I thought he was codependent, but like it turned out I was codependent. Anyway, it doesn't matter who is who. Um, but I was reading this book on the plane and the book is all about having a definiteness of purpose. And I, I know it's funny, it's hard for me to dwell on the, the pain and the burnout, like the, just the like, I am out of resources. Like I am at the end of my rope. I don't know how to do life. I don't know, like my only solution was to get that, get out of that relationship. Like couldn't handle it anymore. And he's a great person. Like he was just like having his own struggles that I had a hard time being there with. And I read this book about definiteness of purpose. And I realized I needed, I needed definiteness of purpose because I was putting all this pressure on him. Like, I want to be a writer. I need you to like be the person who makes all the money and does all this stuff. And I was like, I need, wait, what about me? And over the next few months, I was able to like really feel the pain of not liking my nine to five and realizing I could both, and also from doing the artist's way, which was when you told me you had done the artist's way. We'll talk about it in a bit. We'll talk about it. Yeah. Um, I realized I could both make money and love what I did. And I, and that really was part of, it's, a, it's been part of a lifelong struggle for me. And, and that it's part of that pressure, part of that achievement, um, where I realized it can be, it doesn't have to be a trade-off. And um, so yeah, my, I feel like my, my most recent bottom came pretty recently, but from that, so many good things have come. Right. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that. I know uh, anyone's like listening to this and they're feeling like they're in a bottom. Uh, honestly, I, this is why I'm so adamant about people who are in so much darkness. Just hang on if you're in that moment and realize that they're, if you only, if I could, 
if I can tell like, what is that word? If I can bring you inside my brain and show you just how dark my world was a year ago, I would do that. I wouldn't even be talking about this. I would just show it to you so you can realize that there's something out of it. Um, and one of those tools that was helping me get out of that darkness, whenever I was in darkness, was a book called The Artist's Way. Uh, Artist's Way is a 12-week solo or group program, and it's in the book called The Artist's Way, and created by this writer, Julia Cameron. And um, one of the first, like, punches in the gut I got from the artist way was Julia Cameron of course you know she has you do certain activities and, and like homework you know you do morning pages every day which is a uh, three pages of longhand like you're writing with a pen or a pencil uh, free writing so whatever comes to mind you write it down and that's actually a huge part of my creative process in any context is like what does my like subconscious have to share? What is like the like what am I channeling to share with people um, or with myself? Um, so she has you do morning pages every day. Go on artist dates, fun things you do by yourself. Yeah. Um, but the thing that impacted me most right in the beginning was there's this chapter where she talks about the beliefs people have about creativity and artists and success. And yeah. she has this list of just thoughts. Things like, if I become an artist, my family will think I'm crazy. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. And they do right now. They actually do. <laughs> and, you know, what, what I mean, like, do you want to share, like, how that is for you? Or, like, you know, that fear versus the reality of having your family think you're crazy? No, I, no you know, I'm, I'm exaggerating when they think that. But um, having the freedom to express myself, I'm not normally the person that I have become the past couple of months was not who I was before. I, I now feel like I have a voice. I feel confident about expressing myself. And to some people who are not used to that, they are like, oh, he's growing his hair. What's going on? He's he's crazy. I, that's not the word I, I think people like to, um, they think it's unstable when they see someone expressing themselves as an artist. And the funny thing is that's like, okay, artists are unstable. And not in, a, in that, not in a bad way though, but like I can cry one moment and I can smile the next. And that does nothing to do with my mental state. But if I'm like stuck crying and I want to kill myself, yeah, maybe that's a different thing. But allowing men to just, I'm just speaking for myself, but allowing men to just express what emotion comes up is really important to me because I've been told, taught to suppress my emotions my entire life. And anything was too gay, too girly, and I think that's what I'm trying to um, understand right now is like, so I'm an Uber driver. I'm always gonna have 5% of the people dislike me. It's a consistent 5%. 5% of the people will always give me a one-star rating. For whatever reason, I don't even care. I don't even care to know. But after seeing that statistic for years of driving Uber, I was like, this is life. 5% of the people are always going to misunderstand you and you do not need to explain yourself to those people what you need to do is communicate with the people who do understand you. Um, oh, that, that's just so true. Like, we, like, you know, it's a human thing. Negative feedback equals danger. We want to to take action and, and you know, get safe. And, and, oh my gosh, I have so much, like, experience with people-pleasing and looking for approval. That's what I actually didn't mention earlier as part of burnout is not having boundaries, whether they're emotional boundaries or just, like, boundaries and relationships you know if someone doesn't like me now that worked on my boundaries who I am like what do I like what do I want what do I not like and want 
um, if someone says something to me now, or like, oh, you're just a blank, like really anything you insert there is not, you know, the best. Uh, I have a little bit of a buffer where like, I've already assessed and I know myself. And if someone says, oh, you're just a blank, I'm like, okay, like, looks like I've triggered you and you have something you might need to work on. And um, whereas before it was like, oh, you're just a little too something. And I'd be like, oh my gosh, I need to change everything. Like, I am not good enough. I need to like, da 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 But um, it's so true. We need to train ourselves to connect with the people who want to connect with us. Like that's who, that's who you're here to work with and connect with. The other people, they're just on a different part of their journey. They may need a different like teacher or, or a different podcast or whatever. It's not always easy. The minute you find your voice, I know India Ari, any fans out there, she has a song called Come Back to the Middle. And she was like, this girl doesn't speak her mind. I don't know the exact lyric, but she's talking about a girl that doesn't speak her mind. And then she found her voice. And then she and then she says the lyric, she doesn't realize she's borderlining on arrogance. Though. And I have found myself many times like using my voice just because I found it, you know? Just because I found it, I'm like, no, 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 no. You guys do not have the right to tell me how I am. You guys do not have the right to, I know myself. And I think, I don't know yet why, uh, uh, I don't, I haven't yet figured out why I, I can't find or what, what, what I'm doing that leads me off balance. But it is always about coming back to the balance because that's, in my opinion, being loud and telling people how they should interpret you is not coming from a place of empowerment. Yeah, like letting people think what they think believe what they believe and like yeah I've had to I always constantly often have to come to terms with like I can't control what people feel or believe I can help them if they want that help but they're doing that within themselves I'm more like guiding them or showing them tools so can't control people let them do their thing (laughs) do you have a special like mantra or a saying that you say to yourself in terms of people pleasing is there something that has helped you yeah. Oh, I still say it all the time. Uh, it's uh, my mantra is I'm worthy of love exactly as I am. So it's, I am worthy of love exactly how I am. Yeah. It's, I know. That's. I, I hope for many people that's very basic, and they. I really hope that that's they understand that. But that is really hard for. That used to be very hard for me to say. Let's talk a little bit more about the artist states. Uh, how did you, you want to explain what an artist state is to our audience who has never experienced or heard about it? Yes. So the artist date is a date that you go on with yourself and you're taking your inner artist on a date. So you can do any, it's like an hour a week or a couple hours a week and you plan something that sounds fun for you. It could be art related. It could be like going to a comedy show. Um, one of the artist dates I took myself on was going to the De Young Museum in the city. And I found that insanely inspirational. So it can inspire you. It sort of like fills your creative tank. Uh, another artist date I did was sign up for improv classes. I, which like due to coronavirus, haven't been taking those, but can't wait to go back. They have been life changing. Yeah, things like going to like a ceramic studio um, and just being willing to like try something new and like not be an expert at it right away. It freed me up to make mistakes, not succeed, just try. Even if I didn't have a clear idea of what the result was gonna be, you know, it gave me the, the openness to be a beginner 
and to be curious about my creativity, even though I've been writing, you know, for like over a decade now, creatively. Before I did The Artist's Way, I must have read part of it online or something because I had already, I think in 2014, 2015, I was doing morning typed out writes where I wrote 500 words in the morning, like, like stream of consciousness or a story I was working on or something. And I remember there was a day, anytime I didn't hit that 500 word goal, I felt like a piece of crap and like, oh, I didn't do it. Like, of course you didn't. Like, you're never going to be a writer. You're never going to get published, etc. And then one day I hit the 500 word goal. And I remember noticing my mind, that inner critic saying, oh, 500 words, like not even that much. So just downplaying the achievement, whatever. And I realized I was like, no, we're not doing this. Okay, because I can't succeed if when I win, it's not enough. And when I lose, it's the end of the world. Can't, not gonna happen. So I started working on like making that enough, like cheering myself on, getting support, working with other people and feeling like I was, you know, in a position to learn from others and also to like contribute. Um, yeah, and, and I started writing shortly after, my mom died in 2001, I started writing like six, seven months later in a journal and then you know, just kept doing that. And that was when I was 10 years old. So I've been continuing. Writing's been a big way for me to reflect on life and, and to grow in, as far as like a craft as well, like to grow as a professional. Right. That's that's cool that you've had writing too, as a way to cope with, especially something as, as dramatic as losing a mom at 10 years old. And um, thank you for sharing that with us. Part of my passion for mental health, for wellness, is my mom died by suicide and she was 29 years old. Like that alone is like, wait a minute, wait a minute, what? Like she had three kids, we were immigrants um, and I'm turning 29 in October in just a few months. So um, it feels very, yeah, it feels really rich that I get to take what I've learned and, and very seriously with a lot of passion and compassion say like, you do not need to give up. You hit me up, message me, you know, like let's, or like connect with the resources you need. You are so powerful, so much more powerful than we're led to believe. You know, we're led to believe you need to buy this, you need to do that, you need to achieve this, you need to marry this person, not that person, whatever. And like the truth is, like we've talked about, like we're already, already worthy exactly as we are. And if we start there, we can make way bigger impact so yeah it was definitely a difficult time hugely you know traumatic of course um, but I'm starting to allow it to help me help other people and to be part of my story that's beautiful it, that's so beautiful I think we can always turn it's, it's we can always turn our pain into gold if we choose to do so I think pain is there to serve us to help other people and if if that's hopefully that's all that um Pain is there for. Otherwise, I don't know what it's there for. Hey, pain is the touchstone of spiritual growth. Let's talk about spirituality. Um, what What is spirituality to you these days? Spirituality is me getting out of the way. <laughs> um, it's like, I believe in something that's greater than me and it's not me. Um, spirituality is how I connect to myself, to the people around me. Uh, there's this great quote by this writer, Thomas something. And he says that like God is, maybe it's in the artist way actually, that God is that energy that makes a plant grow. That like if we, if, 
like we look at it that way like god is in everything we're in god god that word god is so loaded it's so charged so heavy so however people want to think about it but um it helps me remember like i'm not in this competition against other people i'm not here to win i'm a i'm an organism that's part of our life our planet whatever you want to think about um right and i like to keep spirituality pretty like practical you know like you show up you do it you do your part and amazing things can happen you know i'm open to receiving those amazing things i think i also like want to say it's not about for me spirituality is not all about like self improvement like that's part of it but it's spirituality is about connecting me with other people in a way where like in my ego i may be like I don't want to connect with other people. Like I want to be on the mountain top. That's what that's a bad rep that spirituality gets. It's like, "Hello. I'm coming down from from the heavens and I'm here to tell you all this, but like honestly, I'm here because I came from hell right now." <laughs> I I I flew up from hell. What got me through my darkness the last year was Kit Cuddy. Kit Kit Cuddy, Scott, 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 Scott. You um there's this lyric in his song called By Design which you were talking about by design. It's just like Excuse the language, but he says don't fuck up the feng shui. When you think too much, you're removing what's moving. Um and that's where I was. I was in such a spot where I was overthinking everything and I didn't realize that I was removing what God was giving to me. Uh for me what spirituality is being in the present moment and it's so hard to explain because when you're not in a good state of mind when someone tells you to be present, all you need to do is be present. That's the last thing you want to do. You know, but right now like for me to not freak out where this interview is going, how it's going, like I have to be present. I have no other choice but to be here with you in this moment. Otherwise, you're going to see me going like Oh, Ali, what's up? Hold on, hold on one second. You know, like I it's just like I'm learning to trust this moment because so far God has not screwed me over when I'm in the present moment. It's my own head. It's when I start thinking like, "Oh, is Ellie is Ellie engaged in this, you know? Or are people going to start thinking that this is great?" Like I can't go that route anymore. I've done that for 32 years. What what do you believe synchronicity is? I love synchronicity. Love it. Um synchronicity is those coincidences that feel really meaningful. That coincidence of like I wrote down I want to teach meditation and I find out about this new Oh, I didn't actually say this in our in our like we talked about this right before. Um like I had this, you know, part of that journey uh, at the end of last year I wrote down what do I actually want? and instead of like what do i not want you know i don't want to work in an office anymore i don't want to be like this i don't want to be you know angry whatever i wrote down like what do i actually want my life to be like and i had a lot of resistance to that there's a lot of for me a lot of fear came up like what's the point of writing this down like i'm not i'm probably going to be disappointed you know like i'm i don't want to i don't want to like be disappointed so i'm not going to go for it basically um but I, i tried to like you know move around that and and just write it down and one of the things i wrote down well two things i wrote down one i want to empower other other people other women um people in general two i want to teach meditation i've been meditating for a long time and um you know i i've i've always kind of had this dream of like becoming a nun uh and you know i also like am in a relationship with someone i love so like maybe i won't be a nun but so i was like i'm i'm going to let go of the how and i'm getting to synchronicity here i'm going to let go of how this is going to happen i'm just writing down what i want and and then taking some action so within 2 months of me writing that down i had signed up for a coaching certification so i can empower other people 
I had signed up for a Tony Robbins event uh, in San Jose so that I could be empowered and get unblocked and really like start showing up as this person I wanted to be, not someone I wanted to avoid being like or something like that. Um, and I randomly, like in an, an article on LinkedIn, noticed there was this new meditation company in San Francisco. And I emailed them saying what I just told you. I've been meditating for a long time. Are you looking for any teachers? And they were like, yeah. And that same week, I had I was having coffee with the CEO in San Francisco. She's like sitting there like I'm like some sort of like meditation genius teacher already. You know, it's been two months. I wrote this down on a piece of paper. <laughs> I have this piece of paper right here. Actually, I keep it. No so much, please. A piece of paper. Uh, yeah. Wait, can you show it like a little bit more? Let us show the power of that. Uh... Paper. It's paper. It's a little, right? Yeah. We've been meditating for a while, so it's very easy for us to just talk about meditation and the process of meditation. What I've realized is when I offer meditation as a tool to someone who's freaking out and anxious, I am so disconnected from the beginning, from the start of my journey, that I can't even express to them how to sit in their own thoughts for three minutes. And I was getting really frustrated because I I, I hate to be that person that's just like, can't communicate something that has done well for my life. Um, can you express in like in just a simple term that a person who's, imagine like I've never even considered meditating. I think meditation is this weird thing that monks do and they fly and levitate to the sky. What? What's, some, I guess some people can do that. <laughs> I've heard some monks actually levitate. Anyway, I don't want to drive people away from meditation, but. Ellie, bring us back. Bring us back into practical terms. Yeah. What is mindfulness and meditation? Love it. Yeah, very common. So many people like either never do it, they think it's weird, or like they've tried it and they didn't feel like they got anything out of it or they didn't feel like they were good at it. Um, so I totally get that. All those re reactions are very, very common. Um, I would say meditation is just noticing, like whether you want to notice your breath, goes into your body, comes out, or you want to notice um, some sounds around you without judgment, just, just noticing what it feels like to hear things. If you want to notice, uh, I like to do Soto Zen meditation where you just stare at a wall. That's just how I started, that way it works for me. So I stare at the wall and not like stare, stare, like just sort of like look at the wall. Um, you can notice that. And then anytime your mind wanders, you just bring it back. As soon as you notice your mind has wandered, that's the practice. Like the faster you can notice your mind has wandered and bring it back, that's like really what you're doing. So it's not about not thinking or squashing the bad thoughts or like whatever. You just, you just notice them and let them go. And I remember starting to do this when I was a teenager and like I was full of like, you know, anxiety and fear and like, does this guy like me and obsessive thinking and all of that. Yeah. And um, I had read this this phrase in a meditation book, and um, like a Buddhist meditation book says like, there's a phrase you can use, I'm free from attachment and hatred. Mm. And I remember sitting there staring at the wall, I'm 14 years old, like I'm a crazy person. I'm like full of hormones and thoughts would come up and emotions would come up and I'd be like, I'm free from attachment and hatred. And just saying that would like fill me with so much anger. <laughs> so hard to let go. It's going to be really hard when you notice you're distracted. Maybe you want to follow that thought. Maybe it feels important. 
and the practice is being like, you know what? All I need to do is be here. Right. And letting yourself be really bad at it. Just be bad at it and just try it anyway. Right. It's, um, it's, it's funny when people think, uh, I, they're like, I need quiet. I need a quiet space um, to meditate. Um, it's <laughs> like I, I was meditating with a group of people and it was the noisiest like the outside was the noisiest uh, I've ever meditated with people before. And then we were just like, why? That's so funny that we're experiencing meditating together as a group and it's the, the loud, the outside is the loudest we've ever done. And I realized that, that for me, um, maybe that's not, it's not about finding peace or calmness. It's about acknowledging your thoughts. And you know, as someone who, when, I, when people kept telling you are not your thoughts, you are not your thoughts. I still, to this day, I, I understand it, but like, Okay, I'm not my thoughts, okay. When like we, we do meditation practice over time, there's an opportunity to experience jealousy, let's say. And instead of identifying with that jealousy, and this is just from noticing your thoughts, this is just from breathing and letting go of distractions. You might notice that jealousy arising and you're like, oh, instead of being like, I'm jealous because she did that, that's you identifying with that jealousy. You're saying, I am jealous. And that jealousy overtakes you and it informs what you do next. Instead of having that experience with meditation, you see the jealousy arising and you're like, oh, jealousy is arising in me. It's not really about what she's doing. And I actually have a choice here. I don't have to respond to this. And that's the gap you're looking for, where you're like, your thoughts don't run you anymore. That's so powerful, and I, uh, you, you teach a course meditation, right? Yeah, so that company in the city in San Francisco is Chorus Meditation, and their schedule's at chorusmeditation.com. I also offer private classes or and also Reiki healing um, on, like, if you want to contact me and just do that privately or one-on-one, -on -one. but through Chorus, we do, I, I teach um, typically Thursday mornings, Thursday nights, and Sunday nights. And that meditation combines different, different kinds of meditation to make it really easy for you if you're new to meditation or have had a bad experience in the past or just like not a really cool one, to immediately have an experience meditating. Like experiencing your body, you're gonna feel good, you might have some emotional responses. Dane, you took my class last week, if you wanna share anything about that. In terms of synchronicity, I'll tell you, uh, the day before, my friend, my friend Leslie, she's a really close friend of mine, and like, kind of like, a, we, we're both on the spiritual path together, and she said, she literally said, Dane, like, you need to start taking help from people. The universe is giving you help, and you need to find a way to accept that, whatever form it comes in. She did breathwork the last, the week before, and then when we went into your class, in terms of, let's just talk about synchronicity, you had a, a song, playing that I had on my Instagram doing breath work. Uh, Selena Gomez killing with kindness. That was, that exploded. <laughs> um, uh, I had such a profound experience. Um, I was feeling so much pain. We didn't get to talk about this and I want to share with you what I was going through at that time. I, um, I've always felt like abandoned by the masculine energy, you know? Um, and I was so resentful at masculine energy. and. I guess that that came in the form of rejecting all sorts of masculinity. Masculinity to me means action, you know, action, um, defending what you believe in, 
Um, so I just like lived in my feminine energy so much. And when we were doing that breath work, it just brought me back to that child that was like, felt so abandoned by the masculine energy. And I realized like the beautiful moment about that moment was I was like, hey, you are no longer that child that is in need of the masculine energy. It's you. You are now become that masculine energy that can embrace your child. And it was just so overwhelming at that time because I don't know, can you explain what it is about breath work that brings up that energy? Because I have never felt that, um, that strong before. Oh my gosh, yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that, Dean. Yeah. That was really beautiful. Was so what breathwork does for people who aren't familiar is there are many different kinds of breathwork. Breathwork is just breathing in a certain pattern and it can change your physical state and it can change your emotional state. So um, one example of breathwork is taking two inhales for one exhale. So it's like inhaling through your stomach, inhaling through your chest, and then releasing it. If you do that enough, what happens in your blood is the amount of oxygen increases in your blood, which makes sense. You're taking two inhales for every exhale, so the level of CO2 decreases. Um, overall, this is good for you. If you're in normal physical health, you can definitely do breath work. Emotionally, that aspect of it, I'm still learning. Um, it's because the first time I, I did breath work, I felt like so connected to myself in a way I didn't know I needed. Like I just was like, wow, I just, this is so good. So um, so part of it is the, the guided experience where like, you know, there, there can be a theme or a prompt, something that gets you thinking and being in your body and feeling. But you know, the emotional stuff, everyone has a different experience. Some people are like, oh, breath work, like, yeah, it was nice. And some people like, like you and I are like, my brain exploded. One of my Uber passengers was talking about how he did breath work. I had no, I had no familiarity with this at the time. <laughs> he told me he became a turtle in, one <laughs> in this insane breath work he was doing that he... <laughs> so he had like a, like a hallucination experience? A hallucination that he became a turtle. Um, and that's, that's, I guess I'm just mentioning that that's, there's a variety of experiences that you can have. Yes. and. The other thing with breath work is um, it can help your brain uh, release DMT, which is a drug people take on purpose for recreation. It's naturally produced in your brain in small amounts, and so breath work can release that. So there, you know, there's a wide spectrum of reasons why people would do breath work. If some people would call it a natural high, and some people would say this is really helping me work through my trauma. And some people would say, this feels like a workout for my brain, you know? Absolutely. First of all, like, just a quick note on the breath. Your breath is always with you. It's happening even when you're not thinking about it. And yet, we can control it. We can control the pace. There aren't other, you like, you can't tell your pancreas what to do. <laughs> Maybe with some practice, you can slow down your heart rate. But like, your breath is very powerful. And it's a tool and it's something we can use or or just breathe shallowly and be stressed out a lot which I don't recommend yeah, no. done for a long time too let's talk about your coaching your you you yourself started your own company can you please explain that yeah um, so I started Big Sister Co at the beginning of this year 2020 so my business is born in winter which means it will live a healthy long life like they, the quote is like most of the successful businesses 
are born in winter, right? So um, yeah, so I started Big Sister Cook beginning of the year. My vision for the company is really uh, a, a place where people can go primarily like millennial women who want to be creative but don't think they can make money doing it. But it can, you know, other people are, all people are welcome as well. Like anyone who feels drawn to it, it's for you. Um, and it's a place where they can get the tools, the inspiration, and the motivation to actually go after what they really, really want. Like if, like that yellow piece of paper, like what's on there, to go after that and to go all in on that. So, so coaching, the certifications I've gotten and the tools I have are in NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, and that is basically the handbook for the mind that nobody ever gave you. It's like learning how we form beliefs. Are our beliefs serving us? Yes or no? If I, for example, believe only bad people have a lot of money and I want to like have enough money to like feel abundant and grow my business and support my family, but I believe bad people have a lot of money, NLP helps you resolve these two beliefs because you're not going to make a lot of money if you think only bad people have a lot of money like you're right your brain won't let you do that because because it doesn't want you to be the bad person with a lot of money and so NLP helps you change those beliefs step into that identity right of the person who's successful and can sustain long-term success and we do that basically through meditative experiences um and things like hypnosis and um you know, sort of like therapeutic modalities where we go into the past and get the learnings that that you need to, to move on from that event. Um, and NLP helps you do all that. And it's also a tool for communication. So how are you communicating with yourself? How are you communicating with other people? And how can you do that in a way that's influential and, and helpful to everyone? So the NLP is one of those, hypnotherapy, like I mentioned, and um, EFT. Do you know about EFT, Dane? EFT, that sounds, but actually, I don't, I don't. It's emotional freedom techniques, and it's super easy. I did actually learn about this through therapy. Anyone can do it. I have videos on my Instagram for EFT. You can use this to release anxiety, um, let go of like any like bad feelings you have. Like if you wake up one morning feeling like, I just feel like crap. Like I just feel like I'm not good enough. Oh, EFT can help you do that. All it is is tapping on your body's meridian points, just like in acupuncture. So you're oh. using your fingers and you're tapping like, I, like, even though I feel anxious today, I totally and completely love and accept uh, I just got like a free coaching session from you. <laughs> yeah. You want to you talk, like, where can they find you? Um, so, for your yeah, so I'm on Instagram at Big Sister Co on uh, my website is bigsister.co. I also help writers write their first books. So you'll see a lot about that on the website. Um, what? You're published by the way. Yes, yeah, I've had my writing published and I just sent my book to some beta readers. So hopefully in the next handful of months, more will be revealed about that. So in the editing and revising process, I'm really, really excited. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 will you come back to talk about that process? <sighs> We're like in a different space now. Would love to. Yeah. Absolutely. I bear. I like. I, I. People watching this bear with me. I'm. I'm trying to get as organized as I can. This is just a new process for me. So I'm sorry if this was all over the place. But like Ellie, you brought so much 
so many tools. This is like a take it or leave it podcast. Just go through it, zoom through it. There's so many things. I, I think I'm going to have to like write down which parts, which points you talked about because I am just so blessed that you would even share your knowledge with us on this podcast today. I think this was the very first um, in terms of spirituality that we've done. We've been having like fun, fun uh, political stuff, uh, friend stuff, and this is a really a way to give back to people who are suffering. Um, um, yeah, well, I'm available for one-on-one coaching. The uh, book coaching program was a group co- program I did earlier this year, and we'll probably make it a digital course. So if you're interested in any of that, you can always email me at elliotbigsister.co or just go on the website. I have a bunch of freebies on there, like I mentioned, so you're welcome to download those. If you want to sign up for um, any email missives or messages, you're welcome to do that. And I'm really excited to connect with you. Um, it's going to be, it's an exciting journey. We're all on it together. Uh, but my mission is, you know, help people get through that fear that's holding us back from even writing down our goals, that war in your head, you know, you don't, you don't need to have it. Like we're so freaking powerful. You can actually have the life that you want. Like there's a reason you want it. Thank you so much. I know you need to get going and this one way you gave me way more, of course, of course, what was I going to expect from you? You went above and beyond, and guess what? Now I have an hour and a half of material to edit. Woo! Not the same. I know, no, it's just uh, the process. The process is, uh, I'm enjoying it so much. And it's, thank you again for giving us your time. I know in this time where you can choose anything you want to do, choosing to be with us means so much to us. Uh, remember, if you like what you liked, if you don't like what you like, comment. Let us know what we can do better. Hey, Dane, talk a little slower. Hey, Dane, where's Nuka? Why is Nuka not here? Hey, Dane, you know, anything that you want to say, um, subscribe, like, and comment below. We're doing the inner work. We can handle criticism. Just don't be a bully. That's it. Just don't be a bully. Otherwise, we have every right to. Anyway, I don't know why I said that. Yeah. But let us give Ellie a round of applause. This girl. You are on your way, bro. You're on your way. Even if when you don't feel like it, you're on your way. Thank you again.